Welcome to the podcast. In this episode, Nick and I welcome Shane McAllister back to the show. You may remember Shane from episode 17, where we introduced the MongoDB Realm mobile platform. Shane helps us welcome Alexander Steegson and Ian Ward to the show to talk in greater detail about the MongoDB Realm platform. Alexander is co-founder of Realm, the company that was acquired by MongoDB, and Ian Ward heads up product management. Today, we focus on the history of Realm, and we learn about the driving forces that led to the creation of the Realm mobile database. Before discussing the current state, the roadmap, and some of the changes that have taken place since Realm, the company, was acquired. The Realm mobile database platform is wildly successful and in use on over 3.5 billion mobile applications. If you're interested in mobile development or curious about how to begin developing resilient, scalable, and available mobile applications, this episode is for you. Stay tuned. You're listening to the MongoDB Podcast. MongoDB Podcast. Exploring the world of software development, data, and all things MongoDB. And now your hosts, Michael Lynn and Nick Raboy. Nick, how are you? I'm doing great, Mike. How about yourself? Uh, never better. Really, really good, actually. Nick, um, have you done much work with, with our Realm solutions? So I've done a little bit of work when it comes to Realm on the web, but I've never actually messed around with Realm for any mobile applications. Okay, so you've used Realm backend services, right? I have for numerous projects. I've done a little bit with uh, gaming, just a little bit for web dev, uh, a variety of use cases, but uh, strictly with uh, a web backend. Well, Nick, I'm really excited uh, because today we're going to talk about Realm. Uh, we're going to cover some of the history, and we've got some great guests. I'm going to start with uh, Shane McAllister. Shane, welcome. How are you? I'm good, Mike. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. It's great to have you on the podcast. If you wouldn't mind, introduce yourself to the audience. What do you do? Sure, thank you. So I'm Shane McAllister. I'm based in Limerick in Ireland, and I am a developer advocate in MongoDB, particularly for our Realm products. And um, I only joined in January of this year. And for 12 years prior to that, I had my own mobile development company, and uh, we were building apps, and we were users of Realm um, going back quite a while. Um, so it's interesting to be on the other side of the equation now and advocating for Realm and what it can do because we chose it in the first place. Fantastic. And you've actually been on a previous episode of the podcast as well, right, Shane? Yeah, so this is, uh, this is my second time, so a little, little bit easier to slot into, all right. But I, I, I brought along some friends for this one. I think I need to stand on the shoulders of giants. <laughs> Great. Can we, can we get some introductions? Sure, sure. So, you know, I, I think, you know, we're, we're planning a series of, of podcasts around Realm. And this we're looking to be, you know, a kind of a, a real background into Realm and what it was and how it came about. So to best handle this, what better than to bring Alexander Stigson, who is the founder of Realm originally on board, and also Ian Ward, who's head of product for all our mobile products, and the Realm Sync SDKs as well, too. So I'm, I'm, going to be asking the questions i'm not hopefully getting the questions asked of me and we're going to dig deeper into realm its inception its history and where we are today and where we're headed fantastic well welcome to the podcast folks well thank you thank you alexander uh would you mind introducing yourself to the audience yeah so i'm alexander stixon uh, i was the original one of the original founders of realm um 
joined uh, built Realm out of the company and then eventually sold it off to uh, to MongoDB, of course. Mm-hmm. Outstanding. And Ian, welcome. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, so I'm Ian Ward, and I do product for all of the Realm SDKs, as well as our synchronization solution. And I joined Realm almost uh, five years ago uh, when I uh, got interviewed by Alexander. Uh, if you guys don't know this, Alexander also does jujitsu, so he came into the interview with a black eye. Uh, and, uh, you know, I got a little scared with some tough questions, but... Uh, Thankfully, I, I did uh, accept the offer, and uh, it's worked out well. I haven't gone to the mat with him yet, though. Uh, <laughs> at least, at least, uh, not metaphorically. <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on with when we meet each other here, right? I still I have a little leftover of a black eye today as well. It's not, See, uh... <laughs> you, you know, you're you speaking go. with Ian, and you've got to take out that frustration on somebody before you have that exactly. long conversation with Ian. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, look, it, as I said, it's it's really good to have you both here with us and, you know, to be able to ask the in-depth questions. But I suppose before we get started, it would be really good to have a, you know, for our audience, a high-level description of, of what Realm is and, and the companies and the products that we have. Yeah, sure. I, I can take that one. So mm-hmm. uh, with the Realm SDKs, what what it is, is Realm, Realm database is a database. Uh, it's an embedded database. This is a library that you would pull into your mobile application code. Um, and from there, we expose a variety of different APIs that the developer would then use to store and persist data on disk uh, for building a mobile application. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is very different from a traditional uh, client-server database model, where these are separate processes, right? You have a client uh, middleware server that is making uh, calls to a database, fetching data, querying data, returning it back to the, to the server, and then uh, maybe sending that down to a client, right? And so that's what we've done there with the Realm database is uh, then wrapped it in a variety of different uh, languages that are mm-hmm. uh, platform-specific. So for Android, we have Java and Kotlin. Uh, for iOS, we have Swift and Objective-C, um, and then we have some cross-platform languages as well, uh, Xamarin for the .NET uh, SDK, as well as React Native uh, using JavaScript. And so with that, this uh, SDK, uh, you have the ability to persist data on the mobile device, and you can also, what we've added approximately five years ago, because uh, I was actually hired to help uh, <laughs> grow the business of uh, Realm Sync, is the 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 piece that we uh, monetize and kind of charge for is the synchronization piece. So you have the ability to uh, now open that Realm uh, database on your mobile device with a sync configuration struct. And what it will do is any replicate any data that was written locally on the mobile device to a remote uh, cloud service. And now that cloud service is MongoDB Atlas. Mm-hmm. Aha. So full, full circle then. So why 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 we have MongoDB Realm and why, you know, the history there. So I suppose, Alexander, going back then about the inception of Realm, what, what made you, you know, trying to solve this problem in the first place? What was the mobile landscape like back then? You know, how did, you know, how did that spark happen? How did that brainstorm oh. happen to solve this? Oh, I mean, that's a long way back because, I mean, <laughs> the crazy thing is that I've actually been working with mobile for probably more than 20 years. Um, long, 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 long years, long, 20 years, the, the, yeah. the, the, sort of <laughs> before, 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 like long pre iPhone, right? It's, uh, 
um, long before the iPhone and like back in the days, <laughs> pre-Android, everything. I uh, actually I worked for Nokia, um, and that was actually where the the like the earliest sparks of the idea came because I worked a lot on basically how to fit data on these uh, small mobile devices. I mean, some of you guys uh, are old enough to remember the uh, the old Nokia phones, you know, where you played Snake and all that stuff. Totally, um, and 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 the amazing <laughs> battery life they had. I think, exactly, you know, a week or ten days, not not just one. Yes. What's Snake? <laughs> What's Snake? <laughs> so I, I worked on those phones. I was part of creating those, and then a lot of what I did was basically work on how do you fit data on these small devices? How do you make it fast? Mm. Um, and then then I stopped at Nokia, and I kind of tried to start my own company. And that was not Realm; that was another pre-Realm kind of thing. Where I built uh, like a text editor for developers, um, okay. and it was kind of very um, different from everything. At the time, it was trying to do live synchronization. I don't know if that kind of reminds you of something that uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so that you could uh, collaborate on on your text. Kind of, it was also kind of like pre-Git and everything. Um, so it's like trying to make like real-time collaboration in, in the directly in the editor. And in the process of doing that, I just I couldn't find any databases that were fast enough to handle that. And also, okay. since I had to tie in with the synchronization and stuff, it was just, there was just nothing on the market that really was good enough. Um, the only database that existed really was a SQLite, uh, mm -hmm. which still exists mm -hmm. today, uh, which is a fine database. It's a, a SQL database. But the way I did things were like whenever you composited a picture of your text, you, you had like thousands of people take like every single key press you've done would kind of have to be pulled in. Which basically meant you would have to do like for every frame you're rendering, you had to do like thousands of joins, and like no mm. SQL database can do that at all, uh, which is quite to halt. So I basically say, okay, I have to build my own database to do this, and I kind of could leverage my experience from Nokia of how to do this very compact and efficient. That's a um, big step to take, right? So you you come up against a brick wall, and you go, yeah. I'm going to build this from first principles. My, I can do better. Exactly, exactly. and it's kind of like one of those things. Like you you're really happy that you're kind of young and naive at the time right you think like how hard can it be i mean i kind of built something kind of how like hard, that before right how hard yes and then whatever like 12 years later you had something that kind of worked <laughs> <laughs> so so i mean i did that and then it, it didn't take long before i saw that hey that database was actually a much better product uh, than the than the editor i had made right um it's much okay. more potential because that overlap with the time that the iphone came out and everything and you kind of saw that all the stuff that we've done on mobile suddenly become far more relevant because suddenly people are building real app. They're not just doing snake and uh, mm. whatever, like mm. black and white uh, displays. I mean, suddenly you had like real apps being built on the phone. So you re needed real data, real databases on the phone. And yes. nobody was really in that space back then. Okay, you mentioned SQLite, but in terms of a, a, yeah. a mobile first product in from, for a database, there wasn't anybody. Yeah. No, because as you can, like, like SQLite was not a mobile database. I mean, it has a long history, uh, actually used on mainframes uh, back on battleships. Uh, originally, yeah, it was, it was originally from the U.S. Navy uh, to yeah. go on a destroyer for an embedded uh, <laughs> missile system, actually. Exactly, yeah. Uh -huh. So it was, yeah. it was never designed for, for mobile to begin with. Um, and then, and that's not a problem. I mean, it was, it was designed for embedded systems, so it was good for that. But it did not at all work the way that mobile developers work. Because what happened was that you got these new devices out, like the iPhone, the Android came sometime later. And all the frameworks people worked in were on, like object-oriented frameworks. Because that's just like every modern mm -hmm. programming language. Mm -hmm. So you're sure. working with objects, and they were all reference each other. And like that does not fit together with the SQL model. 
which is all like uh, like uh, rows and tables, right? Um, so you had this kind of um, impotence mismatch, which was just and people were you know, people were building kind of random things on top of that, uh, like uh, on um, on iOS you had core data, which again was not a mobile framework. People think that was like uh, made for mobile. Mm-hmm, but that mm-hmm. actually was uh, all the, that was like an old old framework they kind of digged out of the uh, like uh, of the, the deepest drawer from back from the time the next times you remember the next computers yes yes which um, explains why uh, mobile developers struggled with it right because hugely you know, yeah because it was it was never useful it wasn't even used for for these kind of frameworks it was used for something they called web objects which was like a like I mean I guess pre Ruby and Rails kind of thing like uh, but very enterprisey heavy thing right. Um, and they they ported that over to to because they they needed a database of course, and it was horrible. I mean, developers hated it. You had like these <laughs> stacks of manuals to you had to read through to do anything, and it was super brittle. I mean, you did one little mistake and the whole thing crashed. Um, and the moment you started involving threats, like the whole thing just fell apart. Um, so we saw that there was this opportunity. So, um, so I mean, and I was just sitting there in Denmark. I mean, like far from everything, right? It was just <laughs> me sitting with my own one-person company. What time frame um, was this, Alexander? What year was that, roughly? This was in 2011. Okay. Okay. Um, so yeah. So the the iPhones were were what were on the iPhone four then maybe? Yeah. The, yeah. They had just yeah. been out for like maybe a few years, and and it was and it was starting. You actually started build apps because if you remember correctly, yes. the uh, when the iPhone first came out, it was supposed to just build web apps. Mm-hmm. Which obviously didn't really work out, and then so we were just starting to see it, it's taking off. So, so I was saying that, yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, so you you started you started with the need to build a new database for your text editor mm-hmm. um, application, and then you started experimenting with mobile. Why the pivot? Uh, I, I, maybe I missed it. Why why did you yeah. pivot from say a desktop application to a mobile application? Well, I think it, it just came that it, it was built for my own need, which was for, for mainly for a desktop application. But it was built on top of my mobile experience. And then really I, I saw this shift coming like, hey, now mobile is really coming out and this database mm-hmm. is the perfect fit for that. Again, talking about it was very early stages at that time. It was really, really rudimental. Um, again, because it was just me building it. <laughs> so it was very, very simple. Um, but then, uh, I mean, seeing the opportunity and seeing the mobile uh, market take off, we actually applied, me and a co-founder, one of my colleagues from Nokia recruited, um, we applied to Y Combinator, which is this incubator in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Um, totally random. Of fire. Yeah. yeah, and it was totally random when we just sent them an application, like, hey, you have this cool thing, you know. <laughs> I mean, no, nobody else has done anything like this for mobile. And, uh, and through, like, all kind of adventures, we actually came in and... and uh, we became part of Y Combinator, went to Silicon Valley and, you know, eventually moved there. I lived there for like almost six years in uh, Silicon Valley, building up the company. Wow. Wow. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a really good story. And obviously, you know, Y Combinator program is, is it a year long? You, you stay in Y Combinator? What's the intake? No, no it's, it's three months. Three uh, months. Okay. Yeah, very short. Very, very intense. Uh, so so what did you, did, did you get it done in the three months then? So did you get your minimal viable product out there for it? <laughs> I wouldn't even say that. No. I mean, we had this crazy <laughs> thing. I mean, people think that to do, go into to Y Combinator, you need to have these, like, you have to be, have something brand and show them. But really, they just look for a great idea. And when we came, we literally had nothing but I had, like, printouts of my crazy API. I don't put, this was like a, Super low level C plus plus objective or API, and I had printouts of that and and like 
various <laughs> performance metrics and stuff. And then it was like, I mean, the, the software was barely holding together at that time. Um, okay, and, and you were, you were, I suppose, looking, taking the leap that mobile was going to, you know, we have this expression, you, you skate to where the puck is, but nobody really knew in, in 2011 where mobile was going, no. right? So, no. we, so we got questions like people do, do people really want to build apps? Are you sure that's going to yeah. take off? It's, uh... Yeah, I mean, the App Store just launched, right? Yeah. It just had come out. So yeah. uh, people, developers were just trying to figure out like, what, what do I need to build an app? Do I just yeah. build it with web? How do I take advantage of all these kind of new primitives that were exposed to the developer uh, based on you having a computer that you carry around in your pocket, right? Having yeah. GPS, having a disk, right? For the mm -hmm. first time, you can kind of store data locally, and that opens mm -hmm. up uh, kind of the genesis of... Uh, it wasn't called Realm originally, was no, it, Alexander? It was what I mean, what was actually, the original name? In, in case there's a, some, some yeah. bingo question in the future <laughs> yeah. that we need so to... The original, name, the original name was TiteDB. TiteDB. Yeah. yeah, and it was kind well, of like... Yeah, it was, kind of, it was kind of meant to be both like this is like the data is packed really tightly and and, and also yeah, really we get tightly it. integrated with the language. But when we we, we, I'm we, glad we changed it though. Yeah, we, we went to the US and people are saying like, so what are you storing in that DB? It's like <laughs> uh, and, and it's, I had a I had a question about uh, so did the early vision incorporate cross-platform or were you focused on no, it was cross-platform from day one. That was one thing. But it, we had Great. crazy up and downs. I mean, the, as you're saying, this was super early days. And people, literally, they were like saying, is this mobile really going to take off? I mean, they kind of knew it was taking off, but are people actually mm. going to build apps? So mm -hmm. we actually pivoted the whole company. It was like we got into Y Combinator with this idea of building a mobile database. Mm. And we built the coffee. We got it up and working. Actually, those, after those three months, and then we raised like money from investors. And then you kind of, you know, you, you raise money from investors, you start getting pressure, and they're like, okay, how do we build a business around this? Mm. And yeah. you get all this like, well, is mobile really a good market? I mean, nobody really understands it. Are you really <laughs> going to build apps? And, and funny enough, there was this little database that was very popular at the time, getting up with like NoSQL called MongoDB. What? That influenced a lot of, of, of investors. So we got a lot of pressure, and I'll say, I mean, I, I was a CEO and CTO at that time, so I'll, I'll take all the blame for this, but uh, I, I got in the end convincing, okay, we should actually go for the backend market, because we had this super, okay. super fast database. I mean, with lots of innovative technologies like this, it's so like in columnar and, and all this stuff, so super quick and super compact. So this so was actually, really early. So did, did, I mean, it's very easy in hindsight to look back and understand the challenges that mobile developers faced then, but, you know, back then, what you know, what challenges did it solve for them? How, how, you know, how were these received? Was it offline first? Was it, you know, connectivity? Was it, you know, the traditional databases weren't suitable? What was the key thing? What was your 30-second pitch? I mean, the, the, the number one was just ease of use. Okay. I mean, generally, I mean, just that the, all the other ones, they, the APIs just sucked. Right. I mean, the, when you try to use core data, I mean, again, as I said, like you had to read like stacks of manuals and you like, it was so brittle and you, and you had to write like ridiculous amount of boilerplate code to do this simplest thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that was on, on uh, iOS, on Android, it was even worse because there was no standards. You had like five or 10 different kind of OIMs all built on top of SQLite. So of course they were slow. They, they kind of, the abstraction leaked all over the place and. There was no standard. There was no way to port it between the platforms. Um, so if you were a hardcore mobile developer, you would probably gone down creating this 
you know, by yourself, custom networking, serialization, conflict resolution, et cetera. And that was one of the challenges Realm set out to solve, right? It was one. I mean, that was in, in our initial pitch, but it took a long time before we got to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it, yeah. you started, you started with the database design, right? right? Like, so the, the, the database is free and open source and is used by over a hundred thousand developers every month, right? Today. Um, but the way you kind of designed it was to be very idiomatic for mobile developers, right? If I'm a Java developer building an Android application, application, I may, I am used to a fluent query language, right? And so with the mm -hmm. Realm database query language, it's also a fluent based one as well. Mm -hmm. So you kind of, you know, built that kind of idiomatic APIs into the database that is very specific for that platform, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, the original pitch was that it was basically like, like persistent data structures. It, it didn't even feel like a database. It was not supposed to feel like a database. We mm -hmm. had this idea of kind of deceptive simplicity, which almost kind of uh, backfired because people looked at it and was like, this thing is not doing anything. It was it's like just, magic. It's, it's just it's objects. Just it. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it, but it, it kind of hides what it's doing, right? It's, it's just objects, just like you're doing anyway. Yes. Uh, yeah. And yes, it does have all these capabilities underneath. Like you can query them, you can persist them, you can uh, like share them between threads. You can, they are super fast and they're compact and all that stuff. But you don't see that. It's just like, it's like, this just looks like my normal programming. What's the big deal? Yes, right? yeah. Uh, which is, is uh, a huge power because that is actually a usability aspect. But it's also very deceptive in that you can look at it and say, well, there's really nothing here. I mean, what's, uh, why should I care? Yeah. So, do you recall... Uh, the, the the one time I suppose early on that you know you you pitched it and a, a customer or a user or a developer got it. What was the first application that you saw built that you went? They get it now. They understand it. This is what we were trying to do and solve all the time. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, there was, there was many of those experiences. Um, cool. So some some very early. I mean, we. I mean, no, not many people know that, but even when we did this kind of weird pivot, our first customer was actually Singer for games. Mm -hmm. uh, so we actually powered some of their games on the back end. Um, Brilliant. That was a good really, test scale. That was a, that's and a good test, yeah. Right? And, and, it was not, and, and the cool thing was they actually did, they almost used it as a mobile database, but on the back end, in the sense that they just had, instead of having like one giant database, they had like millions of small databases they can kind of swap in and out of memory. That was actually a really, really cool use case. Um, so I'm curious. So you mentioned it was open source from the very start and freely downloadable. Developers could just, you know, make use of it. How, what was the, the business model? How, what was I mean, it was, it was actually, I don't think it was open source right from the beginning, but it was planned to be open source and it did get open source pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the revenue model was always that we wanted to earn money on the synchronization, on the backend services. Mm -hmm. We did not want to, I mean, we wanted the database to be freely available. We could both see that drove the adoption. I mean, people use it and, and we just think that, thought that if, if we try to, to ask people for money for, the, for that, then they would just go with the incumbents. I mean, even if they sucked, they mm -hmm. were free, right? So, and also, I mean, people, developers are used to paying for backend services. They don't really like to pay for libraries. Um, no, and, and they will spend the time trying to find something that does 90% of what yours does, but for free, right? Exactly. So I, I think, yeah. you know, certainly as, as adopters of Realm, probably around 2015 or so, you know, we had choices when we were building mobile apps. Mm -hmm. um, and I think if there was a price tag on the local, 
database, yeah. we probably, uh, you know, would, would keep keep looking as well, too. Probably, I think yes. I think, and we'll get to it later on when we talk about MongoDB, but I think, you know, the mobile world is very different than the enterprise world. Mm -hmm. And so developers have choices. Developers are, you know, might be the decision makers. Um, so so how, how did you convince the first few developers to come on board? You know, was it, did you have marketing budgets? Was it? <laughs> <laughs> we we did, the... but not, but not, uh, actually not, we actually were really hard in on marketing at, at a point, but by the beginning when we launched, when we did the real launch, we were actually lucky that we, we timed it with the launch of Swift. And that was, that, you can say that was basically a lucky break. I mean, we, but it was actually really rough for us because we had built the, uh, the full SDK, we had a really good uh, database SDK using Objective-C and all that. Um, and then like Apple announced Swift. <laughs> and, we <were> like, <laughs> and we were like, we can't, I mean, that basically outdated our database from one day to the other. Right? <laughs> I was like, we can launch a, a Objective-C yeah. database now. That would be feel like totally like a old school, right? Like this is that the modern like database. The happened, <laughs> right? You're kind of going, we were we were ready, we were ready, and all exactly. of a sudden and we're right about to launch, and then it's like, oh, nope. <laughs> but then we turned it into an opportunity. We were like, okay, this. I mean, we we have a lot of work we've done. Now we have to do more. But it also means that we 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 have a chance now to design this directly up to Swift, which nobody knows, and we'll be some of the like pioneers blazing the way on Swift. Mm -hmm. So when we launched, we were one of the first like fully native Swift libraries out there. Um, and just that in itself, I mean, we could kind of ride the wave of Swift. Yeah. Um, and then you so had the Swift example. meetup as well. You had the yes. Swift meetup in the uh, San Francisco office as well, right? Yes, that came after when we did, we, we, we kind of wrote that way. We said, okay, Swift is coming out. We kind of did our bet. We, we all thought, okay, this language looks right. This, this will be a success. And Apple is going this direction. So let's go in like 100%. So we started a meetup for Swift. So we had it like in San Francisco. So that was like right in the epicenter. Uh, so it was like one of the biggest meetup groups in the world for, for Swift. Wow. wow. Um, and, and we just positioned ourselves like we are the one who knows most about Swift. And we are the one who... And so if you build a modern app and it's built in Swift, of course you should use Realm because, I mean, that's built by the guys who actually know what they're doing. Um, so it, it, that was so the timing was great. I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where it seemed horrible right when it happened. We're like right about to launch, and then Apple suddenly announced something, a whole new language. Yeah. But because we were able to kind of pivot and catch that right away, it actually it was like a huge way we could just ride. Um, but that that was a gamble in itself. I know you could swiftly pivot, um, but you know who who was to know that Swift would end up being as adopted as it is now? Who was to know that you know? And it was hard. It's always hard creating something on you know. That's a moving target. Swift. Yes, I mean, it's it a crazy moving target. I mean, yeah. it was like it was like every second month, like Apple had done some breaking changes mm -hmm. to Swift, and then we had to rebuild everything, right? Um, Lots of deprecation going on, and, and, and even recently, right? Yeah, it still happens. I mean, Apple still do it, but the early days were crazy because they just changed Swift all the time, and it was just breaking changes. Uh, how has how has Swift UI the advent of Swift UI uh, impacted the development of? I think that's huge. I mean, the the Swift UI is one of the things. I think it's, I mean, the Swift UI is interesting because it's part of a bigger trend, which is is the switch to declarative UI frameworks. Mm -hmm. Um, so you see that both on, on, on iOS, of course, with, with SwiftUI, but also on Android with Jetpack Compose. And you had it on, on, like on the web for a while with React and all other libraries, right? So yeah, it's exactly. It's, 
I mean, people like to say software is eating the world. I mean, I, I really believe it's like React is eating the world. I mean, you just see so many languages and frameworks that are coming out that want declarative UIs with immutable structs, right? And that's what React is. And we even see it with uh, Dart and Flutter, right? You have the, these widgets in yep. Flutter uh, and it's almost completely like React components. Yes. So yeah, I, th I really feel like the, the world is going in that way. At least it <laughs> seems that way. Yeah, this, I mean, I could talk for hours on that because that's super interesting that that the mobile frameworks are copying the web way of doing things and for better and worse. Uh, so, I mean, the, there's great ideas and there's stuff that is not appropriate for mobile at all. And it's, uh, it's super interesting to see how that will evolve over time. But I do think, I mean, that's something where we also want to be early adopters and we're, we're throwing ourselves into that and, and like, so we can be early pioneers again. Mm. That's great. And I, and for the folks listening that are interested in that topic, I do want to mention that this is the first in a series. We're going to dive deeper into each of the areas of uh, the Realm frameworks and the SDKs. So um, just dropping that seed, uh, keep an eye on the, you, you might want to subscribe uh, so that you get <laughs> notifications when, when those episodes come. So sorry to interrupt with that little plug, but yeah. But I yeah, think it, it is amazing. I mean, it, it's invigorating to see these new technologies come out and and, and see if you can kind of ride those waves. And uh, and I think like the cultural frameworks, it's it's a, it's a, like it feels right, just like Swift did. And that is that is a, even if there's a lot of things you can disagree with in like how it's implemented right now, it's directionally correct. Um, and I think that's a, it's a kind of a. This is kind of one of the differences, I would say, in mobile development for traditional development is that mobile development really has only been around for, let's say, 10 years, right, with, with the App Store. So a lot of these, like, design patterns, languages, frameworks are still getting figured out. And it's very, like, debatable. And you can go on Reddit and you can go on the forums and have all sorts of debates. But uh, that's part of... Um, where Realm kind of uh, took off is that we were kind of opinionated about mm -hmm. how you should build a mobile application, like in, in the beginning, in the heyday. And now, especially like, like Google has come down and said, okay, this is, these are some of the uh, libraries and frameworks you should use and design patterns you should use on how to build an Android app. Did not used to be that way at all back mm -hmm. in the day. Yeah. yeah and I mean, there's still so much room for innovation. That's, that's a cool thing. It is, and and we do forget how you know how nascent and new the mobile space is, and and you know we think back, it is around for for just you know ten years as we know it anyway, mm -hmm. um, and you know what's coming around the corner in the next ten years is going to be very interesting. I suppose to you know to look back, how did you, you know we see the advantages of Realm against the competition at the time? Did Realm keep those advantages as we moved? up in the years was it always a step ahead did you have competitors catching up you know how did, how did you combat those as well too as they came along yeah i mean we definitely had i mean the the cool thing i think is that we influenced the whole like ecosystem right that i mean you see something like core data i mean again it was I mean, it was horrible everybody hated it when when we came out <laughs> and they've kind of basically like apple has basically gradually copied a lot of our features and just they they worked a lot on on like cutting down the amount of boilerplate you have to write to do things and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and if if nothing else we have lazy if we kind of push them to make core data better. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll still say they have a they, they still have a long way to go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but they but it did force them to actually put work into it. Where I think they kind of just oh yeah we could just copy this from the old whatever we found on the old Nextbox, <laughs> and uh, and suddenly they they actually had to to do something. 
And of course, on Android, we are also seeing big changes in that it used to be this hodgepodge of different random OEMs made by random people, uh, some maintained, some unmaintained. And now Google actually went down and they actually did make one official like uh, database called Room, um, which I still think is pretty crappy in, in the way it's done, but, but it's different. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm about to think that. Uh, but it, it, but it's but it's good to see that they actually took the area serious and they say okay look, I mean it just it didn't work at all on the Android ecosystem right it was just totally random nothing worked together there was nothing, um, so they actually did make one official solution. Um, yeah, and and I think look we we've seen over the years too that you know solutions that are out there getting acquired by larger companies end up getting mothballed and not being used so. Mm -hmm. You know, like I remember building apps using Parse and it was, yay, Facebook's bought them. They're going to put yeah. a load of money into them. You know, 18 months later, they're gone. So, yeah. you know, bringing us right up to date, you know, in 2019, MongoDB acquires Realm. How, how did that come about, Alexander? And, you know, what was the genesis of that and, and your thoughts in and around that? And mm -hmm. how have things been since then? And we can talk about our roadmap on our other products as well, too. Yeah. I mean, it came as, as uh, actually started out as talks of a partnership. Okay. Um, so, I mean, things, I mean, of course, you say, why do you even sell the company? Well, the, the reality was that we had been a bit too slow to start the business. I mean, we had made an awesome product. Um, the, the database had gigantic adoption, like everybody using Realm, it was affecting the whole ecosystem. But as you said, we started a bit late on doing the synchronization, which was basically what was the whole backend services, which was what we were monetizing on. Uh, and the business was going up, uh, but it was definitely not going fast enough, and not as much as we would like. Um, and was that and, due to the challenges of of mobile at that time? Was it due to you know the choices? Other people had other choices, or you know because the platform kept changing? No, it was just too just too long. As you're saying, like we basically we built our own database. Like one thing that's important to think mm -hmm. is that when we talk about competition, that we built our own database from the ground up like from every single bit and pipe down there, right? <laughs> Nobody else did that. And like, mm. if you're looking at all this, like even Apple who use core data, it's just a layer on top of SQLite. If you have Room on, on iOS, it's also just a layer on SQLite. Even those big companies could not get the actor to build a real database underneath. Okay. Um, and and, we were, and, kind and of, we were very naive. And we were like, okay, how hard can it be? And it turned out it took like but the naivety years, years, off, years right? Because yeah. you wouldn't do it if you knew how hard it would be. No, right? exactly. But it, just, it, it took forever, obviously, to build like a, a, an awesome database. Uh, and I think that's what it kind of gives um, what people really love about Realm, the database, is that it's an object database. Traditionally, when you build a mobile application, you have SQLite. That is your database. You define it in tables and the columns, right? And then you can switch, and then you have your, let's say, Swift objects. And then you have to map those objects to these uh, SQL rows and tables, right? Mm -hmm. And that is very different from Realm, where you define your class definitions as you would in general with an iOS application using the object-oriented paradigm, and that is your schema. So you skip that extra step of defining the schema, of then mapping objects to rows, and doing all the type checking and all that, all that kind of goes out the window. 
right? And additionally, where kind of the power of, of the Realm database shows is the relationships, right? Is being able to have a parent object and then have in that parent object have fields that are then relationships to other objects. And that's very natural. That's how a developer would think about it. That is very unnatural when you think about it in SQL, right? You have to do complex different join operations in order to do that. And so that's kind of, you know, Realm has this huge uh, market of, free and open source developers that are building with Realm uh, every month, uh, every year. I mean, there's there's probably dozens of apps on your phone right now uh, that are powered using Realm, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's part of the reason that MongoDB had, uh, you know, it started getting into the market of building a mobile database. There was something mm -hmm. called MongoDB Mobile. Uh, and then they found that it is very hard to build a database <laughs> for mobile developments. And it's certainly going to be very hard to build a community uh, that was kind of self-sufficient and sustaining. And so that was part of the reason that, uh, you know, they came to Realm to kind of say, okay, we want to get serious about yeah. mobile development. And how do we get serious? Well, there's a whole group of guys that know mobile development and and ladies. Yes. And then I think, yeah, so just, just one just thing to find out. Sorry, just, just <laughs> okay. go, go for it. Uh, so just one thing, for that, that one thing we kind of, we always forget it's like how monumental what we we're trying to do with was. I mean, because what as, as you were saying, what we built was actually an object database. And if you look, even today, if you look at the market, that does not exist any other object databases. It was kind of funny because I mean, object database was something people tried back in like the eighties, nineties, and and it was one of those things where everybody knew that it was an obvious solution. I mean, we are working with objects. Why don't we our database deal with objects? But it was so hard that all the companies that tried that basically crashed and burned. <laughs> it was at the same time as like virtual reality. People tried that; it was too hard and just crashed and burned. <laughs> yes, yeah. And and but the as time move on, you kind of the technologies move on, and you kind of see now now is the time again because now the technology have evolved and this, the frameworks have evolved, everything have evolved. So just like VR is kind of seeing a resurgence now, mm -hmm. we mm -hmm. saw that yes, you can actually build. A, it is possible to build a real object database, but nobody had actually done it successfully before. Uh, so it was a pretty crazy gamble to go for. So you've you've mentioned numerous times that the competitors, a lot of them are using uh, wrappers for SQLite still, um, and that Realm was built from the ground up. So does that mean that Realm was like created uh, using C or uh, I think what does Android use the NDI um, functionality to create this uh, blazing fast database without wrapping SQLite or core yes. data? I mean the, the whole database is built in C plus uh, plus, the the low level database. So that's what's used on every platform underneath. So it has a, a, like a small integration layer on top, which is in the local language, which might be Swift or Objective-C or, um, or Java or the new like native Kotlin integration we're just doing now, um, which is pretty cool. But that's just a thin layer. All, all the processing happening is, is just in, in pure C, C++ underneath. And that's how we can be cross-platform, right? Because mm -hmm. when you when you build a C++ database, you can then ship it to uh, iOS for the LLVM uh, compiler. For Android, it can go to uh, the JVM as well, right? And so that's how we're able to, you know, the same types can work across both iOS and Java, and that's or in an Android, and that's that's part of the kind of benefit uh, of mm -hmm. Realm. Yes, and by being C++, you can do all kind of performance enhancements that are basically not possible in other languages. I mean, all the vectorization and stuff that's uh, not really available if you're using a language like Java. So I suppose the, the key thing then is to, you know, we, we've 
heard about the kind of genesis of Realm and, and leading up to the acquisition and stuff. What has changed with the acquisition? What have what have MongoDB brought to the table for Realm? What have Realm brought to the table for MongoDB? I know that the, the, they, they gave them a, a good sync solution. Um, <laughs> so what has changed? How have we grown? What's different? How, you know, what are we approaching in terms of, of you know, core engineering, working on Realm, et cetera? I mean, huge growth, right? I mean, the, the one thing you said, like the, the worry everybody had, especially me as, like, as a founder of a company, is that a company uh, buy a product and then it just get mothballed or drowned mm. or split up or all kinds of things, which you see happening again and again, obviously, right? Because people- Yeah, they, they, they acquire it for the talent, they acquire it for the IP, and then they take all the stuff they want and they discard everything else. For and, all kinds of reasons, right? It hasn't happened in this case, right? No, the, the cool thing is that, I mean, and that was what attracted us and made us attracted to be part of MongoDB was that this was already part of the product plan for MongoDB, right? As, as Ian said, MongoDB had already tried to build their own mobile database. It was already on the roadmap and they were just seeing this, okay, this is a way to accelerate our roadmap. Um, so we fit right. right in, which was really cool. and and. So, so saying what is, I mean, we, I think the biggest change we have is suddenly now we have, <laughs> compared to uh, how it was, almost unlimited resources, right? It, suddenly we have a, a totally different situation than we had as a, as a small startup. You still have to battle for those unlimited resources. <laughs> we still have to fight every one of them, but uh, I can say that it's a bit easier than it was to, to uh, fight with investors all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And I think we, we start to see, we're starting to see a market form for this kind of synchronization solution, right? There's, mm -hmm. there's Google Firebase, um, there's AWS Amplify, uh, Couchbase has a synchronization solution as well. But the vast majority of apps are, I would say, well over 95, 98% are built using traditional REST services, a web client mm -hmm. server uh, mentality. And developers are starting to realize that none of this kind of shipping code back and, or shipping, excuse me, shipping data back and forth between the client side and the server side is really adding any value. That's not adding business logic. That's not adding uh, a great user experience, a great UI. Those are the kind of things that get five-star reviews that the developers should really be focusing on. The plumbing should be abstracted away. And this kind of synchronization technology is really starting to catch on and grow. And that's why MongoDB kind of invested in this area. And we have um, you know, 5 x the number of developers that are working not only on the synchronization solution, but also we've uh, very much increased all of the SDK teams, the iOS team, the Android team have increased quite a bit uh, in terms of shipping, not only features for sync, but features that our entire open source and free uh, community can take advantage of as well. You talked about the, the business that. value in and the plumbing and stuff, but what are the standard customer use cases for Realm? And, you know, have you any details of a customer you can share who's, you know, business was changed dramatically when, when they brought Realm on board. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think probably the, I would say, best use case for adding uh, synchronization to an application is when you need the app to go offline. And you need that app to work, whether it's online or offline. And uh, being able to go offline and have the app work means that you need to be able to query your data and write data and therefore, if you don't have network connectivity, you need to go to disk. And so you need a database to do that. And so when you add synchronization on top of that, when you add Realm synchronization on top of that, what we do is we keep a queue of all of the operations that a user has done while they are offline and we keep all those operations there. And then it, the Realm in the background pro, uh, thread is trying to sync to the backend. And once it establishes connectivity, 
It then sends those changes over to the server side. The MongoDB realm, which is the serverless platform uh, that runs the synchronization service, receives those changes, translates them into MongoDB documents, translates realm objects into MongoDB documents, then inserts them into MongoDB Atlas, right? And so all of that kind of logic, the code that a developer would need to write in order to do that data uh, moving is abstracted away. And it, and it goes bi-directional as well. So a, uh, a user can insert documents into Atlas and they will automatically be shipped down and uh, converted into Realm objects and written to uh, disk on the mobile application as well. So Super, to me, that's and it's beautiful, right? It's beautiful because yeah. that actually recreates my original code with, with my ticket itself of the like collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's interesting to bring up the offline use case because we're so used to ubiquitous connectivity. You know, 5G is rolling out in so many countries now around the world that people think we always have connectivity, but you don't. And, and no. you only know that, that you don't when you've got an app that isn't correctly architected. Etc. And and then you have a you know the loading spinner. You have screens that don't refresh. Um, you know, so I think that the offline use case is really yeah. paramount today, even though our data speeds are better. And I think you asked me about a customer. One of the one of the customers that that's public with this is is Cathay Pacific. So this is one of a a an airline company that's out of Hong Kong, um, mm -hmm. and they built a iPad application. Uh, using right. Realm and Realm synchronization. Um, I'm not sure how many of you fly, but in order to uh, get clearance, uh, in order to fly, you have to go through this. No one's massive... flying at the moment, Dean. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. But if, if you were a pilot, you have to get, uh, you have to do this huge checklist of, you know, checking all the gauges, going and doing a visual inspection. And all this stuff was done with pen and paper, right? And so... Uh, once and then once you take off and you get clearance, you then every five minutes you have to take a reading uh, and say, okay, what's my heading? What is my speed? What's the wind speed? What is my fuel consumption? Are there any issues? And then note them down. And then once you land, you then take that uh, piece of paper and then you basically file it, right? Put it in a filing cabinet and then someone needs to take that piece of paper and then enter it into a computer and then it goes into database. Now right. everything's on an iPad stuff. application, right? It, when you're flying, you don't really have network connectivity, but the pilot is using this to take all of those notes and then uh, save that locally. When they land, it automatically connects to the Wi-Fi and uploads all that information. And so what the pilot can do uh, is they can see all the historical flights for that same path from Hong Kong to Singapore. What is the average oh. fuel consumption? And therefore they can adjust their heading they can adjust their speed of the aircraft in order to keep down the fuel consumption and make sure that they're saving money. And that, that translates into dollars, right? That's how much money um, you have to spend in order to for that fuel, right? And so if they mm -hmm. can look at historical flights, they have the ability to do that. Realm stores that data on the iPad and allows a pilot to make that decision. So, so I, I just want to dig in on the, the incredible value that's offered in that synchronization. I've, I've attempted to do my own synchronization solutions. Can you dig in a little bit? And there, there's, a, there's a developer or two listening right now that's thinking, well, that's simple. I'll just wait. I'll just check for connectivity. And once I get connectivity, I'll start the upload process. Can you, can you talk a little bit about how difficult that is? Yeah, I'll, I'll let Alexander start, and then I'll, uh, I'll fill in some of the gaps there. Yeah. <laughs> For the first time nice ever. Move. Nice move. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, synchronization is just one of the hardest problems in computer science, basically, right? Because it, on the surface, again, it seems simple. It's like, well, I mean, I'll just check if there's confusion, then I'll send my data. 
And that, that part is relatively easy, even though surprisingly lots of people actually get that, even that wrong. But the problem is what happens when there's conflicts. And conflicts happens because the moment you have any form of collaboration, like, and collaboration just means that you have some people working on the, the server at home and some people working on the, in, on the app. Could also be multiple apps where people fiddle with the same data at the same time. Like, uh, even, actually, even if you have perfect connectivity, you'll still get conflicts because people are going to do things at the same time. But, but of course, the moment you actually can lose connectivity or be on an airplane for an extended period of time or something, you have a lot of conflicts because you have edits that just overlap each other. And what to do about that is a huge challenge and has historically been for, for developers. And it's, it's one of those things where it seems easy on the surface and then like years later, you like the app is still not really working correctly, right? Because, <laughs> which, uh, I mean, a lot of our customers, it's literally people coming that they're like, oh yeah, we started out and we didn't think it was that hard. We tried to build our own synchronization solution. Now it's two years later, we still kind of twiddling with it, it still doesn't work, right? <laughs> correctly. <laughs> Yeah, and and really, it's it, when you think about a REST API, any developer kind of thinks about it. It's like you, the way it's supposed to work is you request the data, you get the data, and then you update the UI. But any developer is going to tell you that most of the code that a developer needs to write is all about the exception handling, is all about the error handling, right? What happens if the URL uh, returns a 500? What happens if I get malformed JSON? What happens if the uh, network transfer uh, drops in the middle, right? Do I pick up where I left off or do I start again from zero? If I start again from zero, that's less code I need to write, but it's less efficient, right? Because then I'm retransferring stuff I've already received. If I pick up where I left off, I then need to keep an index of all the kind of packets that I've already received. And so all of that is code that a developer needs to write, uh, maintain, debug. And I was actually on a user interview uh, this morning and he said, any line of code that I can avoid is a good line of code. And that's what we're all about. It's all about <laughs> eliminating boilerplate because that's you need true. to own that piece of code if you write that's it. That's a really good point. I mean, it's all about like, removing boilerplate, right? Any mm -hmm. line of code you don't have to write is a good line of code. There's our tagline right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I love it. This has been superb. I, I wanted to... I, I'm going back, Alexander, to... The, the gestational realm, and you were pretty forward-looking at that time. So where we are today in 2020, you know, what's next for mobile for you? What excites you? Or what's next for realm? And that's so, I mean, actually, I think it's super exciting. I mean, the big one, as we're talking about, the, these new declarative frameworks, that mm -hmm. is huge. I mean, it, it fundamentally changes how you build apps. And, as, and going back to this idea, like, every line of code you don't have to write is a really good line of code. <laughs> that's what these libraries are about. I mean, that is, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm still, and we should have done that. I mean, that's would have fit into the ethos of realm. Like saying, okay, your next company, Alexander, your next company. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because I mean, it, it is like all, I mean, I always say it's back to the first principles. You look at a piece of code and say, mm -hmm. what is the developer trying to express? And what is, what, which lines of these code are not really giving him anything that, I mean, unneeded. Yeah. And we, we see it, you know, we see the no code movements happening yeah. now. We go back and we look at things like Yahoo Pipes years ago, you know, you're connecting everything together. It is, you know, software is, is you know, very cyclical and, and we see things coming around again. Um, I think the one thing that's for sure is that mobile is not going away. No, you know, it's only as, exploding. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, we... You know, as Ian said earlier, we're carrying small disk drives with screens with better power than what sent man to the moon. 
yes. in our pockets and we take it for granted um but you know i, I think it's it's exciting what's coming ahead as well too i, mean, I think it's, it's more important to think that everything is turning into mobile right i mean it used to be that mobile is a very specific thing it's like the apps you run on mm. your phone but really i mean your laptop is a mobile device today as well and of course you can also use realm there uh, like if you have like a, a game, like a VR device today, with the next thing is very much becoming a mobile thing as well. Like it's like almost all devices are turning into mobile devices, and they and all have the same the, activity. Right? We're heading down the IoT route with realm as well too. Insofar as exactly. they are small devices with not a lot of memory, but they need to store data, be it you know kind of you know catching temperatures in a room or or anything else that might be the case as well too. Exactly. And these uh, IoT devices getting more and more power, so you can do much more compute on the edge. Uh, again, meaning that you actually need storage and capabilities on, on the local device, uh, where Realm is a perfect fit. Um, so so that, there's so much cool stuff coming out. Uh, and it's, it's so cool now to have the resources to like, follow up on a lot of these things that was just like dreams and ideas before. And 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 I suppose when we're thinking about what's coming ahead, Ian, on the roadmap for Realm, what's next? What's the next big thing for for Realm to put out there? Yeah, so yeah, I'm here. I'm here to give uh, Alexander his wishes here. So yes, we will be uh, definitely doing some tight integration with these declarative UI frameworks. We really do believe that um, a lot of the mobile development community is going to rally around this. So uh, we just launched this week our Kotlin native. SDK, uh, which actually has multi-platform support. Uh, so now you can write Kotlin code that can be deployed uh, traditionally just, it was just on Android. Now it can be written and deployed on iOS. Um, and so with this Kotlin native SDK, we're really getting tightly integrated into some of the, the great features that uh, Kotlin developers know and love. And that's like coroutines and that's flows and kind of being able to uh, emit and consume these these objects that Realm uh, will send across coroutines. That's really the, these kind of reactive uh, programming paradigms that people love to use Kotlin for. Uh, so that's on the Android side. Um, for the iOS side, we're definitely pursuing uh, a very tight integration with the Swift UI, which is another declarative UI framework, as well as Combine, which is kind of their asynchronous uh, programming pattern uh, for, for iOS. Um, we're also very interested in, in Flutter, in Dart. That's kind of the new uh, hyped mm -hmm, cross-platform mm -hmm. uh, language or framework from sure. uh, Google. Um, so we're definitely uh, interested in that. We're looking to uh, expand into that area. Uh, you already mentioned IoT, but one thing I guess I'll call out here is uh, because I know Nick's on and Nick's a fan of Unity. And so with <laughs> yes, Realm, yes. we have uh, a .NET uh, SDK and we've now uh, just about ready to launch our Unity support, Unity build system support. And we really, uh, really can't wait to see kind of some of the games that uh, some mobile developers will want to build with realm wow that's a that's a very good pitch in that you got everything <laughs> in there <laughs> yeah we're gonna build the next Fortnite. i think yeah we're, we're right there we're gonna give them the next run for the money do we have any time frames on that or uh, unity uh i think uh yeah i think you'll be pleasantly surprised if you look under your tree pretty soon <laughs> yeah so probably uh well, yeah, you know before right. the new year i would hope uh, but definitely january brilliant Fantastic. brilliant oh <laughs> Great. Well, get me all excited we're um we're just about out of time i want to thank all of you for joining us it's been a phenomenal discussion um where can we get a hold of you ian 
Yeah, so you can reach out uh, on Twitter. It's ENP Ward. Um, you can also send me an email, en.ward at mongodb.com. Um, and I'm on our community forums. I'm uh, answering questions. So if you have a question, please come uh, to the forums, and I'm uh, happy to help out. Fantastic. And Alexander? Yeah, me too. And you can write me an email, alexander.stixon at mongodb.com. Um, I'm actually not uh, really on any social media. I'm not even on Twitter, or Facebook, or anything. I'm totally incognito here. <laughs> so, uh, but if you you're can the find one. me, you're the one me. person. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like Mark, he's like sitting like that Alexander guy. I need to get him. Yeah. <laughs> it's because the Nokia phones didn't have Instagram, right? That, exactly. <laughs> Outstanding. And Shane, where uh, where are you at these days? Sure. You can get me on Twitter at Shaney Mac. Um, I do man the desks a lot on the at Realm Twitter account as well, too. Um, Ian usually beats me to the answers in the forums for Realm. He's, he's, he's got lots more background and deep technical knowledge than I have. So he's, he's really good at that. Um, you know, and we have a team of developer advocates. So, you know, we, we're putting out content on our MongoDB's developer hub, which is developer.mongodb.com. Um, our community is linked through there as well, too. And, you know, hopefully conferences and events, we're doing them online and virtual at the moment. But when things get back to normal, fingers crossed, mid to the end of next year, look out for us at an event near you as well, too. Fantastic. All right. Well, thanks once again, folks. Thank you. Thank you much. Have a good one, everyone. Bye, Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much to Shane for coming back and helping us welcome Alexander Stegson and Ian Ward. Learned so much about the MongoDB Realm platform. It was a great chat. If you want to learn more about that platform, you can visit us on the web at mongodb.com slash realm. You can also jump into the community and ask your questions there. They'll be answered by MongoDB engineers and other community members. That's at community.mongodb.com. If you want to brush up on your MongoDB skills, maybe get certified, visit university.mongodb.com. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. Have a question or a suggestion for the show? Visit us in the MongoDB community forums at community.mongodb.com. 